Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me today is our Chief Science Officer, Dr. Brandon Roberts, and we have another research review. So this week's research review, we're going to talk about overtraining or overreaching, which I think a lot of listeners might not actually know the difference between. So I'm actually, I think they'll get a lot of benefit just out of understanding what these two are. Um, and this is a topic I haven't talked about in a while, actually, because I think it, I haven't even looked into. Um, there has been a lot of, I don't know how much research has done to this, but I know back in the day, it was a, a, a really big theory that a lot of people use to essentially overreach and then deload to have this kind of like super compensation effect. Um, and then I think when a lot of the auto regulation stuff came out, some people kind of just stopped doing that completely and kind of just stayed in that zone of far enough away from failure, but close enough to failure and just kind of stayed there constantly. Um, now I'm going to give my opinion, then I'll let you dive into it. I always say like, I've, I've been asked this. I've also been asked, uh, between those two and like the, uh, we'll call it the, the Mike tell method of like, uh, you know, not doing too much volume and having a decent RIR and then like going until you like are at your maximum recoverable volume, damn near about to throw up at every session. And then you deload really hard and cycle through, I always tell people like <clears throat> there's people in each category that get great results. So we can't sit here and say any one category is better than the other. I think you should do whatever fits your lifestyle or whatever you enjoy the most. Um, I know where I kind of stand in that, that area and I'll explain why later, but I think that's for the most part, they can all work now over training. I remember people and I don't know if you, you ever heard this too, but I had a lot of training partners and, and fellow coaches throughout the years that would constantly say they've, they were overtraining or they've been overtrained or I'm just overtrained right now. And I actually remember talking to somebody who was really smart and I don't know if they had any research to prove this. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you say, but they were basically like, none of you guys have even come close to overtraining. Cause if you're overtraining, you would have like rhabdo and not be able to get out of bed. And like, you would be way more fucked up than you realize. Um, you might just be overly fatigued or under-recovered, you know? So I think there's there's definitely a difference and it's one of those things where um, people have to to really be careful with uh, terminology. Um, just just not scare people or make people feel like they're they're doing anything wrong. So um, the difference between overtraining, overreaching, and then kind of diving into how we know if we're even in that, man, break it down for us. Yeah, yeah. So we have overreaching, which is like a short-term um, training stress that, decreases your physiological and maybe even psychological um, kind of performance that you recover from relatively quickly. So like if you overreach and then you deload for a week or two, um, you can come back to normal. Usually it's one week, right? Um, and then we have non-functional overreaching, which is overreaching, but you don't necessarily rebound as well. Okay, so it's like a meet a middle term, and then we have overtraining where you don't rebound um, with a deload for like six weeks or like eight weeks, or sometimes even longer, depending on how hard you're training. Um, and and you kind of you know were very correct when you said it's it's pretty hard to overtrain. Uh, the only people who I've seen overtrained, like truly overtrained are um, athletes, like especially endurance athletes, they run, they just do miles and miles and miles. Um, and then they're probably not eating enough. And, you know, they kind of compounds on itself. When we look at people who resistance train, or maybe even like CrossFitters is a good example. 
um, the chance of them overtraining is like like almost none. I would call it like almost none. Um, now, the chance of them overreaching, say they took six weeks and they were just going hard, like hard for six weeks, is you know fairly high. Like especially if you're training five or six days a week, um, but you recover from that. And the the concept that you mentioned is based on the old school periodization where, you know, you have blocks of training and then you kind of ramp up and then you fatigue, get fatigue, like super fatigue. Um, and then you take some time off and you come back and you super compensate and you start it all over again. So that's where, like, if you look at periodization, it's all based on the general adaptation syndrome. Um, it's like, let's shock our bodies so we adapt and then let it adapt and be okay. And then let's do it again, right? Um, so I think those are the, the three things that most people don't realize. And, and you're also right with the, the verbiage or the word choice there um, because overtraining is also known as underperformance syndrome. Uh, and we won't get too much into that, but there'll be a link in the, in the notes um, where you can read all about it. And so when we overtrain, we have a couple of things happen. So you get, you get fatigue, like hard fatigue. You may start to lose weight without trying. Like you're, say you're eating at maintenance, like what you think is maintenance, and then you just start losing weight. Could be due to overtraining. Obviously your performance falls off a cliff. Um, I'm assuming not good weight. No, okay. no. It's like stress weight. It's like, it, it's not fat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like a, a, a more of a mix of muscle and fat than you would like like it to be yeah um and i just wanted to point that out so people would listen and go oh like maybe i should be overtraining <laughs> yeah yeah no this is not good you most athletes get depression and anxiety not only because of just what the overtraining is doing to their body but because now they can't sleep they lose weight their performance tanks right if you're an athlete and you start getting worse and you're training all the time you're like wait what what's going on yeah right and usually they just train even harder and it just gets worse um and then the big thing that i think is something to watch out for is the immunosuppression so your body is trying to to adapt and fight off all this stuff and so you're more susceptible to everyday illnesses like you know the cold common cold or any basic viruses or just any kind of bacteria thing like you're more likely to get sick um and that again stops you from training and just makes everything worse uh but usually most people will get sick before they'll really hit overtraining, um and that'll be kind of like the stop the thing that stops them um at least most athletes and it's so, it's yeah, funny because yeah. it's such a double-edged sword right like or or just like a fine balance because training is going to improve your immune system tremendously to avoid getting sick. But if you train too much, it's going to break your immune system. You're going to get sick really easy and you're going to get really sick. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it is, it's not something that most people have to worry about. I think with um, the new auto regulation systems that, that you mentioned, um, those really help with keeping people kind of in that sweet spot. I think uh, cause I'm an auto regulation fan. Uh, independent of what type of auto regulation yeah, you use. Same. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, it works better than some of the old school methods of like, let's really push and then drop off. Now, there are times when you do need to push and that's, here's a, here's a great example. I love to use this one. You're a college athlete, right? You're, you're going to go for the draft right? and maybe you're like, 
upper edge, right? You're not like elite or else you wouldn't have to worry about it so much, but you're in the middle somewhere. You want to get drafted. Don't just use football, right? So you may like train really, really hard so that you adapt and then deload and then let it come back in for your like combine or something um, because you have a shorter amount of time. That's the thing. Like when you start restricting time, that's when you may find alternatives to the normal water regulation stuff. But like you and I, like we go train, like there's no need for us to really push. Like it's not really going to do anything in the end of the day. That's going to make a huge difference for us. But again, when you look at athletes, it might help a little bit. Yeah. I think that uh, a few things on those, those tips, you know, I think that I like using like percentage based lifting to give me an idea of what I want to hit. Right. But it's, it's tricky. Cause like what I try to coach inside the app and the Taylor trainer app is like uh, some of my programs, like the, the athlete one actually uses kind of like a five, three, one method for the compound lifts, but it also uses RPE and it explains how to combine the two because you know, for example, I did uh, I, this week was literally five, three, one. I'm testing this new program, um, and I did not stick to this, the exact percentages for the five or the three. And then I actually went for a new PR for the one because I felt really good and I hit it and it was great. But what the key is is like, okay, five should be at about seventy five percent, and then three should be at about eighty five percent, and the one will be at about ninety five percent. In my case, I was like, fuck it, let's go for more than that because I want to hit a PR or you know, in the program, it actually says like one plus, meaning if you do 95% and you're stronger than you realize, because you've gained strength in the program, you might be able to hit two with this. If you can hit two and where I put it, the RPE in, so while staying at this RPE, then you need to readjust your percentages for the program, you know? Um, so I like using a combination. I think it can be a good guide, but if you look at the percentage as like they're written in stone, that's where you're going to hurt yourself because then you go in, you're like, I have to lift deadlift 500 pounds today. And I sh- slept like shit. My warm up was crap. Like just, you know, go to the RPE. And I think there's enough research now to show too, that like the way I look at this, um, which is funny because athletes are usually the ones that don't do this because they're so motivated to train. And that's despite some in the ass, but the research shows so much about like, you know, being within, you know, let's say you're within 80 to 90% of your one rep max, you're probably going to get the same strength adaptations as you would being between 90 to 100%. However, you're going to get less fatigue and the injury risk is much lower. So you're going to be able to come back tomorrow and have a better training session than you would if you would have hit 95 to 100% of your one rep max. And if you get injured doing that, now you can't even play your sport, let alone go to the gym again. Um, So I like using a combination of them. I think that's always a safe bet to be able to do Uh, what we're talking about here. And then just to echo the athletes being the most common ones that get the overtraining, um, get the overtraining. It's uh, like, it's a bug, but uh, with them, I always see it when, like when I hear about it too, is like, they're usually doing multiple sessions. So maybe they, they compete every weekend if they're doing games or they're in season, they're competing multiple times a week, depending on the sport. Then they have practice. Then they're in the weight room. Maybe they're in school because they're a college athlete and they have like stress for exams and shit like that. Like, most people who are listening to this podcast will never experience true overtraining because you are one, if you're, you're listening, you're probably science-based because you like to listen to something like a research review first and foremost, <laughs> but Rara. you're probably not training multiple times a day and under eating and under a lot of stress in your life. You know what I mean? I think, I think most people are intelligent enough not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the goal of the, the podcast, right? To, to help people know not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there is there's a couple studies and I, I didn't put them in the notes but i did want to mention so mike zordos did a 30-day squat every day study like max out every day yeah and so that's like even in the lab to elicit overtraining with resistance training takes like a month it's absurd it's really like we've tried to do it and failed um but what happens is like the first couple of days you did a max in a row, like it kind of went up and then it just dropped off a cliff for like seven to 10 days, but then you were back to normal. It's like your body was like, so what? I can do this. So, so you right there, like you defeated the definition of overtraining. You yeah. just you adapted to it. Um, and there's some other, ah, there's a couple other studies that have really tried some of the old, um, so the, who's it? Bill Kramer's studies where they like, you know, six days a week, 90 minutes, sometimes two a days. And they were just pushing and taking blood and pushing. And, uh, and you're like, they just couldn't do it. It was, it was like, they couldn't cause these college kids to overtrain, even if they wanted to. So it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Um, before I ask this question, are you going to break down a little more research on the overreaching because um, so my question is essentially just like how, how much research actually proves that you talked about it a little bit with um uh general adaptations and uh, uh you know process and everything like that's what periodization is for and that's where we go like okay let's progress and then deload and then we kind of re uh, how, like that realization phase like let's realize these gains let's adapt to it and then we start back up and repeat the process so on and so forth um is there research to show that there's actually a super compensation effect that happens in that like taper or deload period before getting back to the beginning after overreaching yeah yeah there is so there's the the overreaching research is is like is, is hard to really read because it's all based on old periodization stuff. So you kind of have to assume that these people were, were pushing hard enough to overreach. Mm -hmm. And like I just told you that that might not actually be the case. Um, so in the old school research, they'd push like high percentages right before a, a deload or a, a maintenance or, you know, resensitization block or something. And then they'd come in and they'd test one RM again, right? And they would improve. Uh, but they didn't test one RM before the the break, so you don't like. It's not like they have this benchmark of, you know, we did six weeks of training, tested one RM, took a week break, tested one RM again. Mm -hmm. But you kind of had to assume that they would be higher. Yeah. Um, which actually makes me think a little bit about research. So um, I might have to put that one in my notes. That's a, that's a good point. Well, the other thing too is I would think you know, so like with overtraining, you were saying like they're taking their blood. Right. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because they're looking for the side effects of overtraining, which I believe is like uh doesn't like white blood cell count go through the roof or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you can you can see your your like cortisol goes up, your right. um your immunosuppress. So sometimes you'll see white blood count either way up or way down, either one. Just abnormal. Um there's a couple other little things. Your testosterone usually falls off a cliff. Right. Um, so, so we can see that, right? Um, with overreaching, how do you really know if they're overreaching? Yeah. The only way I would assume is for me to go, hey, like, what does your normal volume and intensity look like? Okay, we're going to predict that going above that by 25% is where we reach overreaching or whatever they come up with, you know, but there's really no way to, you can't draw blood and be like, oh, yeah, 
you're overreaching now, you know, and, and know for sure. So I assume it's got to be hard because some of those people, maybe they just weren't training hard enough beforehand, you know, and, and or maybe it was just a normal good program. They did it and so they got stronger <laughs> like yeah yeah and and so you know we're going we're taking the coaches through the cis cissn stuff mm-hmm. and there was an attempt to to quantify like testosterone to cortisol ratio and really look at like okay if you get you know if your ratio drops below one so testosterone would be lower so higher than than cortisol um what does that do? Or if it's really low, the ratio is really low or really high, can that be an indicator of, hey, you need to pump the brakes? But all that research didn't really come out with anything. It was, it was all a wash. So they, they tried, that didn't, didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. So, um, I mean, I guess my, my, my wrap-up question for you, and I'll give my opinion, would just be like, what do you, like, what do you get out of this? What do you think, at the end of this, like, I think we, we made a very good distinction of, what overtraining is, right? Um, I don't think there's needs to be discussion on that. It's pretty obvious at this point. I guess my question would be, as far as the overreaching versus the auto regulation, and what, like what what kind of setup do you like? What do you think is is most optimal for people, um, and why? Um, so I would say for ninety percent of people, um, auto regulating with either RPE RIR or velocity based training, which most people don't do, but it's a good tool. It's a very good tool. Um, is the way the way to go, and it's also way easier, especially the RBRIR. Um, like you can adjust. You do fluctuate day to day within the day. You even fluctuate with how much you can do and how you feel. So if you think about a war- morning workout versus afternoon workout, like that plays a role too. Um, so I would say do that, and then just take deloads. You know, whenever you figure out you need to, for me, it's like week five or six. For some people I've coached, they can go like eight weeks and some it's like four, you know. So figure out what that number is and and use it to your advantage. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm very similar. I think that um, for the majority of people, including myself, the auto regulation stuff just makes more sense. I don't even typically take structured deloads. Like if somebody asked me when my deload, next deal it is I'd have no idea um it typically happens when work or life events make me too busy I just go okay I'm just gonna take it easy this week you know I'm traveling this week so I know I'm not gonna get a good workout and because they happen frequent enough that I usually take them every six to eight weeks probably six nine weeks I'll take a deload week right I train less and so on and so forth um And for the rest of the time, I just auto-regulate. There's some days where, like I always tell people, there's the 80-10-10 rule. Um, 80% of your training is is basically that, like, auto-regulated. It's pretty decent. You're progressing. You might add two and a half, five pounds on the bar, maybe get another rep. Nothing over the top exciting, but like you're doing the work and you're you're getting gains. Ten percent is PR city. You crush it. Like you have the best training ever. You feel like superhero. And then ten percent is dog shit, and you feel like garbage going into the gym. That ten percent, you should just go into the gym and be like, I'm gonna deload today. Maybe not this whole week, but today, I'm deleting. And if you ignore that and you do what's on paper and you still try to push to the high percentage or whatever, that's where you end up going. Fuck. Now I have to take a full deload week because I just I overdid it. I'm smashed now. So on and so forth. Um, now. I will say there's a part of me that really likes the super compensation idea because, you know, before I ran a business and before I traveled, before I had a kid, my everything revolved around my training routine. 
So in the, if anybody listening has that kind of lifestyle, it's really fun to do. Like I loved having like four or five weeks of like intentionally getting harder and harder and harder and push myself. And I literally, this is how like crazy we were about it. I remember us having a death week. We called it a death week because when we got to that week, we were so close to deloading and we just felt like it was just pushing it so hard and it was the most intense grueling sessions ever. And then we had a full week where it was just like really chill, deload super, super heavy. Um, and whether there was a ton of super compensation effect happen or not, it was just fun. Me and all the gym partners like ramping things up over the course of weeks and then taking a rest week and then getting back to it. Um, it's really fun. But if you have things that throw off your schedule or travel or family or anything, it gets kind of difficult to stick to that routine year round like I used to when I was 21 years old and everything revolved around my, my lifting schedule. So um, that's my take on it. I agree. I think the auto-regulated kind of, it's probably the most backed by science at this point too, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, it's just come so far and it's only like been around since 2000. Well, in the, in the science world since 2015. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that old. Yeah. It's like, we've been doing periodization for like 50 years yeah. or more. Yeah. No. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, dope, man. Well, I love that one. That was really good. I think it was informative and it gave people some good insight on, on how to approach the intensity in their training. So, um, guys, if you like this podcast, as always, leave us a five star rating review on both Spotify and iTunes, especially Spotify. Cause they just allowed us to start doing that guys. So help us out and get those numbers up. Um, and of course share this podcast with a friend and also post a screenshot on your story on Instagram and tag both of us at Cody McBroom and at B Rob underscore 21. Thank you for listening and we will catch you guys next time.